Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We don't have to look far to see lots of rebellion against God's Word. And yet, at the same time, we have to remember that we are still living in the age of grace. And so even for those who we might even look at and think, that person should be judged, that person actually might get saved in the future. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Isaiah chapters 24 through 30. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, so let's open up to Isaiah, and we're picking up in chapter 24. And, you know, as we're going through Isaiah, of course, there's 66 chapters in Isaiah, and I want to try to follow the thought line as we go through. So, like I said, you know, last week we had the 10 chapters, and every one of those chapters were basically chapters that dealt with the judgment on the various nations. And so as we pick up, we're still looking at the subject of judgment, but in these chapters here, beginning in chapter 24, chapter 24 through 27 is extending out to the judgment of the entire world. That's really the the focus of these chapters here from, like I said, 24 to 27, and then 28 to 30, we're going to try to get through chapter 30. Then we're kind of getting back into dealing with judgment on Israel. So, you know, as we're going through, it's not really necessary for us to read every verse, but we want to just kind of get the flow of what the prophecy is. And then we want to always really focus in on those things that either had their fulfillment in the New Testament time, which many of the things did, or have a fulfillment that is yet to come in the future. So that's our method as we go through these, especially these lengthy prophetic books here. So so let's pick it up in verse one of chapter 24. Look, the Lord is stripping the earth bare and making it desolate. He will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. People and priest alike, servant and master, female servant and mistress, buyer and seller, lender and borrower, creditor and debtor. The earth will be stripped completely bare and will be totally plundered for the Lord has spoken this message. So God's going to judge the earth and no one's going to escape. That's as he goes, you know, here to mention people and priest and servant and master. He's basically just saying the whole of humanity is going to come under this judgment. Then verse four, the earth mourns and withers. The world wastes away and withers. The exalted people of the earth waste away. The earth is polluted by its inhabitants for they have transgressed the teaching. They've overstepped the decrees and they've broken the permanent covenant. So God's gonna judge the world because men have disregarded his commands and broken his covenant. Now, the permanent covenant here, other translation is the everlasting covenant. And so there's some 
speculation. You know, what covenant is being talked about here? Some think it's a covenant, the covenant that God made with Noah. After the flood, God established a covenant with Noah, and it's called in theological terms, I guess, it's called the Noahic covenant. And it was the the covenant between God and man that he would never judge the world again in a flood. But the covenant also had to do with the issue of murder, that if anyone murdered another person, then they were themselves to be put to death because man is created in the image of God. If you think of it in that terms, it's describing a world that's filled with murder. And so that's how they've broken the covenant. Uh, Some say the everlasting covenant is is a reference to the covenant that Jesus made. Of course, the new covenant. And so we don't know for sure, but the basic point is that God's going to judge the world of humanity for their rebellion against his word. And so, you know, we don't have to look far to see lots of rebellion against God's word. And yet, at the same time, until that judgment comes by God, we have to remember that we are still living in the age of grace. And so even for those who we might even look at and think that person should be judged, when is God going to judge that person? I can't believe that that person hasn't been judged yet. You know, that person actually might get saved in the future. So, you know, we have to, in in that sense, we have to leave the judgment in God's hands. And and it's going to come. He's going to do it. So therefore, a curse has consumed the earth and its inhabitants have become guilty. The earth inhabitants have burned and only a few survive. And so from verse seven all the way through, it's basically just kind of repeating similar kinds of things. But I want to pick up in verse 19. And here in verse 19, it says, the earth is completely devastated. The earth is split open. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunkard and sways like a hut. Earth's rebellion weighs it down and it falls never to rise again. Wow. So there is a day of judgment coming. And of course, the prophets reminded the people of that. And we don't want to be the bearer of bad news. And our first objective is always to proclaim the good news the gospel, but we also have to, at times, we have to speak about the reality that there is a future judgment day that's coming. And so as the prophet goes on, he says, on that day, the Lord will punish the army of the heights in the heights and the kings of the ground on the ground. They will be gathered together like prisoners in a pit They will be confined to a dungeon. After many days, they will be punished. The moon will be put to shame, the sun disgraced, because the Lord of armies will reign as king on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and he will display his glory in the presence of his elders. Now, back in verse 21, it's an interesting thing. On that day, the Lord will punish the army of the heights in the heights and the kings of the ground on the ground. When God judges, it is going to be a judgment upon rebellious men and also rebellious spiritual beings. And so the first reference is to those powers of which the devil would be the head of those powers. 
God's going to judge them as well as the inhabitants of the earth. So that judgment is going to be against all of those who have revolted against the Lord, whether human or fallen angels. And of course, as we read through the book of Revelation, it's in Revelation that we see this worked out. And we see how uh, Satan himself is judged and cast in, you know, bound with a great chain and cast into a pit and so forth. So there's coming this, this great judgment uh, even upon these spiritual powers. And so chapter 25, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have accomplished wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. For you have turned the city into a pile of rocks, a fortified city into ruins. The fortress of barbarians is no longer a city. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, a strong people will honor you. The cities of violent nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold for the poor person, a stronghold for the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. When the breath of the violent like is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry land, you will subdue the uproar of the barbarians as the shade of a cloud cools the heat of the day, so he will silence the song of the violent. So that's pretty clear. Then, verse six, on this mountain. So on this mountain is a reference to the kingdom. When the Lord returns and he sets up his kingdom, it's being referred to here. So on this mountain, the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, fine vintage wine. So when God sets up his kingdom, there's going to be this great feast. And then verse seven is so amazing. It says, on this mountain, he will destroy the burial shroud, the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. He will destroy death forever. Wow. That's God's ultimate goal is to destroy death. And so it will be through Christ and through the kingdom of Christ as he sets up his kingdom. And it's so interesting, isn't it, the way that death is referred to here, the burial shroud, the shroud over all the people, the sheet covering all the nations. You know, death is the great equalizer. Death is the inescapable reality. Death is the thing that, you know, you can try to ignore it, but it's coming for you. It's coming for everyone. It's the shroud that covers all of the nations. And although oftentimes people are living their lives as it, you know, sort of fearlessly, like I'm invincible, nothing can happen to me, I can do what I want, when I want, where I want. But you know, suddenly there's any kind of a, of a real threat to that or even a seemingly real threat to that and people are, they're petrified. That's the shroud that covers all nations. But of course, that's what God dealt with through raising Jesus from the dead. And that's what he's going to ultimately deal with when Jesus comes back. Death is going to be destroyed. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face 
and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, look, this is our God. We have waited for him and he has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation for the Lord's power will rest on this mountain. So this day coming. And now remember, the, some of the other prophets tell us and specifically Zechariah, he tells us that, that there's gonna be this moment in time where the Jewish nation realizes that their king, their savior, their Lord has actually already been here. And he came to them centuries ago and they rejected him and they crucified him. But one day they're gonna realize that that's what they did. And Zechariah tells us about that, that on that day, their eyes are gonna be opened and they're gonna look upon the one whom they have pierced. And then they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And then on that day, there will be a fountain opened in Jerusalem for sin and for impurity. And God's gonna cleanse them on that day. So when Isaiah says here that, On that day, it will be said, look, this is our God. We have waited for him. He saved us. This is that moment where Jesus even said it. You won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the time when they will declare that. They will proclaim that. And so the rest of the chapter, Moab comes into the picture here for a moment, but let's go to chapter 26. On that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation is established as walls and ramparts. Open the gates so a righteous nation can come in, one that remains faithful. So now, verse three says, you will keep the mind that is dependent upon you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. And then the exhortation, trust in the Lord forever, because in the Lord, the Lord himself is an everlasting rock or in the Lord is everlasting strength. So all of this judgment is is being pronounced by the prophet and yet he comes back around and he encourages the people of God. You know, when you think of a judgment coming upon the world, that's a frightening prospect, right? So how do you not lose your head in that? Well, he tells us right here, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. So that's how we navigate the, the different things that come along. We keep our mind fixed on the Lord and we trust in him. And then the promise is that the Lord will keep those in peace who trust in him. And then the encouragement that we can trust him because the Lord himself is the ever lasting rock. And then he goes on for he has humbled those who live in lofty places an inaccessible city. He brings it down. He brings it down to the ground. Again, talking more about the judgment that's going to come. Verse seven, the path of righteousness is leveled. You clear a straight path for the righteous. Yes, Lord, we wait for you in the path of your judgments. Our desire is for your name and renown. I long for you in the night. So here's Isaiah expressing his own heart. I long for you in the night. Yes, my spirit within me diligently seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, 
the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Man, Isaiah, all of those centuries ago, think how far back now, 2,700 years ago, Isaiah was praying and longing for the day when the judgments of the Lord would be in the earth. And here we are today praying the same thing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's really what Isaiah was praying. And he's just stating that when God's judgments are in the earth, then the world will learn righteousness. But just that word there, I long for you in the night. Yes, my spirit within me diligently seeks you. We talked about that a little bit on Sunday morning about you know having that discipline, exercising ourselves spiritually, spiritual formation. We were talking about that, remember? And that is... In a sense, he's really describing that here because he's talking about, with my spirit, I will diligently seek you. And you know, that's all of us have to do that. We have to do it for our own selves and our own well-being, but we also have to do it for the sake of the world. And we have to do it for the sake of others. We have to do it so we are in tune with the Lord and God can work in our lives and he can use us in this time. And sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes we just don't do it. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we're negligent. But there, there has to be this diligent pursuit. And that's when there is you know, spiritual strength. And, and of course, that's when there's vision and, and progress and so forth. And so he goes on here and speaks of the wicked Again, speaking about the judgments, but then I want to take us over to verse 19. And here again, dealing with the subject of death, verse 19 says, your dead body will live. Their dead bodies will rise. Awake and sing you who dwell in the dust, for you will be covered with the morning dew and the earth will bring out the departed spirits. So, you know, the Bible teaches that there is a resurrection in the future. The Bible teaches that those who have died will one day come up out of the graves. Isn't that amazing? Come up out of the graves. I was reading in Romans this week. You know, Romans, the fifth chapter, it talks about, it says, as sin reigned in death, the reign of sin is seen through death. And when you see a cemetery, a cemetery is a monument to the reign of death. And again, yet death is this enemy, this intruder that has come into God's creation and God has declared war against death. And so here he is stating that he's going to defeat death. So your dead will live, their bodies will rise. And another translation says, their bodies will rise with my dead body. And so some see that maybe there's a, a reference there to the resurrection of Jesus. Some see that Isaiah is the one who's speaking about belief in his own resurrection and just the fact that there's going to be a resurrection. But when you just look at this picture, awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. So this is going to be 
like the most amazing day ever. Not only are people going to rise up out of the dust, they're going to sing when they rise up. It's going to be the best morning ever because death will be done. It will be over at that point. Go, my people. Enter your rooms and close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while until the wrath is past. For look, the Lord is coming from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. So again, projecting out to the future. And here is a word to the people of God at the time that they are to be hidden during the time of God's wrath. Now, goes on, the earth will reveal the bloodshed on it and will no longer conceal her slain. So there are different promises for the people of God in regard to the judgment and how God is going to, in some cases, deliver his people from the judgment, in some cases, protect them during it. And so looking at the context here of Isaiah, Isaiah's his word is directed toward Israel. And so this is really referring to the time of of the great tribulation period, referring to the time of the great judgment where the people of God, and think about the 144,000 in the book of Revelation, the people of God are sealed and protected by God during this time of indignation. And so this seems to be a reference to that. Come, my people, and hide away until the wrath is past. And so there's that protection over God's people during that time. And, and of course, we believe that the church, uh, the people of God presently, will be taken out of the world before that. But then the other people will come to put their faith in Jesus during that time. But there's going to be sort of different specific groups of people There'll be the 144,000. There'll be a multitude from among the Gentiles that no one can number that will come to faith, but only certain of them are, are protected divinely at the time. Others will be believers, but they will suffer under the judgment, under the wrath of the, the Antichrist that's coming. Now, chapter 27, on that day. So this is the final chapter looking at the universal judgment that's coming. On that day, the Lord with his relentless, large, strong sword will bring judgment on Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent. He will slay the monster that is in the sea. So of course, this is a a reference to, to Satan. This is a reference to those those powers that we talked about earlier that God's going to deal with them at the time. But the, the head of that is the one that we commonly call the devil. And the Bible calls him the devil. We talked last week about the name Lucifer. We saw how it's not really an actual proper name, but it really refers to that morning star. And But this is who's being referred to here, the Leviathan, the serpent, And the book of Revelation, if you want to look at chapter 12 and 13, this is where you see the identity, once again, of the serpent there. The serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, it says right there.
the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Jesus History? by Dr. John Dixon. How do we know that Jesus was in fact a historical person? Can we really know anything about ancient history with certainty? In his book, Is Jesus History? Historian John Dixon answers those very questions. He presents the evidence for the historical existence of Jesus in a clear manner, so the reader can make their own conclusions based upon the evidence. Dr. John Dixon addresses the conclusions of mainstream scholars, both Christian and non-Christian. He also examines the contemporary significance of Jesus' claims if someone concludes that he did in fact exist. If you want to know about the historical evidence for the existence of Jesus, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order is Jesus History by Dr. John Dixon. And when you give the gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.